Welcome back to the Never Made Varsity podcast. You'll notice that I'm opening this week, which is abnormal, but this is an abnormal week. Colby and David quit, and Mav is boycotting, so it is just me as a monologue this week. I got my dinner in front of me, so sit back, relax. You might hear me chewing a bit, but it's going to be a fun time for everyone. Oh, you can find me on Twitter, at Aaron P. Friedman. Yeah, yeah, whatever. My name is Maverick. You can find me on social media, at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. Oh, so you're not boycotting anymore. No, I'm not. I just didn't want to do the intro. It's always fun when you do the intro. Yeah. I'm not really good at it, so, you know. I I mean, usually it's Colby or me or David, but I guess that Mm -hmm. can't happen this week. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see how our discussions go without a moderator. I think I'm going to have to take control. (laughs) Yep. We're down Colby and we're down David, so this is... Yeah. David is This is what you get. David is, like, cave diving or something. Yeah. And I have no... Colby's in Roxborough. I presume that's with Carla's family. Uh, something. I don't know. David's lost in a cave somewhere. So hopefully we find him. I don't think they have good service. I don't think he can record from inside. Yeah. He's taking advantage of his day off that us real people don't get. Hey, I had a day off. On Tuesday, I actually got to go to Biltmore House to do some tours. People That's like, exciting. Why do you go to go to your place where you work on your day off. And I don't have an answer. Yeah, but you know, we're not all teachers in high school, so or middle school, so we have to do stuff on President's Day. Unfortunately, I think we should get class off. But I think we should get class off every day. Anyways, we're gonna go right into the baseball corner because there's no one here what? to stop me. And pitchers and catchers reported this week. And Diamond Heels season started. We had a three-game series against Xavier this weekend. And uh, we kind of blew them out of the water. We outscored them to the tune of about 35-8, to I think, around there. And we hit five home runs, I'm pretty sure. Or six home runs, which is the most in an opening series since the 06 season where we went to the College World Series and where the national runners-up. So I like to think that's a good omen. Excuse me. Um, I think we have the potential to be really freaking good. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the team so far, Mav. Sounds like Ike's doing really well. Yeah. This weekend, Ike, who, because the stat sheet isn't pulling up the way I want it to, he wears number eight, Ike was 6 of 11, he had 5 RSBI and a home run, and he was really good. He was amazing on Friday. He was 4 of 5 with a home run and 4 RSBI. Ike was really good. Michael Bush was really good, as expected, because he's our All-American. And then the freshman Aaron Sabato was excellent. He crushed the home run. And Brandon Martirano was really good as well. Uh, on Friday, Luca Delatri, our ace pitcher, only lasted 2.1 innings, which was a little disappointing. But Will Sandy came in relief and pitched three or four really, really good innings, and he shut Xavier down for a while. And I think that if our pitching can keep up with our bats, we've got a real chance to go far in June. That, I mean, the more and more once... Baseball season started, and I started following some of the games. 
I quickly realized how underrated I think baseball was in my college career. And especially living in a place like Parker where all I had to do is just walk outside and I could walk down to the baseball games. That's mm-hmm. something I really missed, just being able to do that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we are now on a 21-game win streak at home, I think. 21 or 26, which I know is a decent difference, but I don't remember the tweet. We'll see. Oh, wait, here's the baseball count. Let's see. We have 21 straight home wins. We have not lost a weekend series at home in a long time. Um, and there was a really good crowd at the game on Friday. Saturday, not so much because it was really cold and it was raining right beforehand. And they moved the game today up to an 11 a.m. first pitch, so I did not get out of bed in time for that. <laughs> um, but I got to run the K's on Friday, which was a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to this season. We're always there. Mm-hmm. I think we have a real shot to go real far this year, like we do every year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we played Wake Forest and basketball on Saturday. Well, oh. I guess I should say Wake Forest showed up. Showed up. Like was the present, but yes, they didn't really play basketball for a large portion of that game. We started up 18 to nothing, right? Yeah. No, it was 18-0 at the under-12 timeout. We were up 18-3. to <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that game was over before it started. I guess right after it started. And I think that the most impressive thing from that whole thing was Cam Johnson. Yes. Because he caught Very fire. Much so. Started out 6 of 6 from 3. Yeah. I don't he think was... he missed until about like a quarter of the way through the second half. Yeah, he had he missed as soon as you said he can't miss from deep. Yep. Yep. That was me. And he missed the most wide open of the shots. Yeah. What are you going to do? It be like that sometimes. Oh, I'm just sending a snap to my streaks. No, it happens. Now, I mean, it was very much an optimal start. I I like having at least one of these type of games where you can just relax. Like, I was not stressed at all. Mm-hmm. I could just enjoy it. I was laughing. Sometimes yeah. I was even cheering for Wake just for, out of pity. Even if Kobe White didn't really do much this game, it didn't really matter. Good game to have an off game. Especially because this week transition is the biggest game of this young, well not this young season, of the season thus far because it's officially beat Duke week it is, it really is uh, it started off with uh, the team in red a couple of miles yeah. away trying to beat Duke and falling flat on their faces back to Wake really quick to just remember as bad as you thought Wake look not only did that team beat NC State but they still outscored NC State. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <sighs> but no, it is officially beat Duke Week. We play it um, Wednesday, 9 p.m.? Yes, 9 p.m. on ESPN at In Cameron Canada. Indoor. Oh, God. It, it, I it, still need to figure out what I'm doing for the game. <laughs> I'm know. working until 9, so I'll have to drive immediately home from work to try to make the game. I don't. Yeah. I, I think I'll be fine. I won't miss well, too much. Well, you should much. have, you should have your parents record it and 
Just not yeah. start it until you get home. I don't think I want to watch a start anyway. <laughs> I'll just kind of ease into it. Yeah. Last year, I had to miss the ACC tournament Duke game because I was on a flight home during it, and it was so stressful because it was during my first flight, and then I had a layover and a second flight, and I had to keep my phone on airplane mode the whole time, and I could only take it off to call my brother to pick me up from the airport. I think I remember that because we were updating you about everything as the game was ending. Yeah, well, I didn't see anything, but yes. Yeah. And then I got home and I kept my phone on airplane mode for another two hours while I watched the game. T-vote at like two in the morning. I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. Um, this, is, this is a big game, and this is one of the better Duke teams of the last few years. Like, even the little teams of the last two years, even with Marvin Bagley last year, uh, the year before that with Jason Tatum, like, I actually feel a little bit worried about how we're going to do just physically against this team. Um, it's a long time coming that we're going to be facing Zion Williamson. Um, I mean, just a really well-rounded starting five with R.J. Barrett. Um, I mean, Cam Reddish. Trey Jones, Jack White. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot Marquise Bolden's still there. Yeah. Do you want to start with the keys to victory or predictions? Let's do keys. What do, you, what do you think we need to do to be successful against this Duke team? All right, I think that we have three keys to victory. Number one, we need to take care of the ball. Uh, because we all know that when this team turns the ball over too much, they lose games. And especially against a high-powered offensive team like Duke, we got to make the use of every possession that we have. And if we don't take care of the ball, we could find ourselves in a hole really quick. Number two, we need to bully them on the boards. Again, we know this team has to win the rebound battle. If we lose it, if we're losing the rebound battle odds or we're losing the game. And Duke, their two games they lost, I believe both of them, they lost the rebound battle. And we know that second chance points are a huge thing for our team. And if we can get as many of those as we can, then we're more likely to score offensively. And finally, and I think most importantly... <clears throat> We need to defend the three, but more specifically, not let R.J. Barrett shoot threes. We know that Duke is going to get theirs on the inside, whether it's from Zion dunking or R.J. getting easy inside shots. But both games that Duke has lost, R.J. Barrett has not shot well from deep, and the team as a whole hasn't really shot very well from deep. If they're not taking and making threes, they are only going to be keeping pace with their opponent, not gaining ground on them. I mean, that was, that was I was going to echo a lot of that because, like I said, luckily this is a, a rare Duke team where they're not as efficient from the three-point line. And so hopefully catching them on an off night. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. some of mine, um, I think one of my first ones, I think you have to try your best to get them in foul trouble and disrupt their rotation. Because... Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, NC State had Zion with four fouls with like 12 minutes left to go in that game and had about a five-minute stretch with him not on the court. I mean, 
that was a wide open opportunity to try to make a run of sorts and try to make it closer. But I mean, ultimately they did not do much in that chance. And then when Zion come back, it was too late. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we have to try to get him in foul trouble. Luckily with his size, if you can play him right, he can get you fouled. And so mm -hmm. we got to try to, to key on those types of mistakes, even for RJ Barrett, guys like Cam Reddish, we have to get them sort of out of their rotation. Um, Two, I mean, rebounds, that's just a given. You, you have to win the rebound game, and that's something I'm worried about, quite honestly. Um, I think, like I said, I, I'm not quite joking with this. I think you have to limit Jack White to 10 points or below because mm -hmm. I feel like he can be an X factor, and he's going to be the kind of person where we're going to focus all of our attention on the core guys, and then they're going to have someone like a Jack White, um, an Al, uh, what's his, Alex, uh, O'Connell. What's his face with the hair? Yeah, Alex O'Connell. Alex O'Connell. Like, having them on the wing, we're going to – because that's – with our help side defense, they're going to drive in and kick it out to one of those guys. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think we also have to be a little bold. Like, it's one of those, again, years where Duke, I think, is the better inside team, and I think we're the better three-point shooting team where – Historically, it's very much been the opposite. Yes. If we can shoot like that. we did against Wake Forest, we're going to challenge them. Yeah. And I but also Cameron think that... Cameron is unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that is definitely a key in my mind is we know that Zion is going to have some big dunks and we can't let that demoralize us because that's going to pump up their crowd. But you know that he's going to get his... I would be more focused on ensuring they don't get hot from three because if they get hot from three, then we are in some big trouble. They're going to make a run. If there's nothing I've learned more in my four years at Carolina watching Duke games, Duke makes a run, and it's just a happening. It's just part of the game when you play Duke. It's mm -hmm. whether or not you can withstand the run and counter it. Yeah. Like I said... As long as you aren't letting them go on like 10 to 12 runs, if you're scoring points and just keeping the arm out and holding it, keeping them at bay, you have a chance. Mm -hmm. So do you want to get into our predictions for the game? I think so. Okay. Um, I don't have a specific score in mind, but I'll go first. I think we're going to kick the crap out of Duke. I think we're going to kick the crap out of them both games. I'll take us beating Duke 92-81. to 81. Ooh. Don't make that close. Are you trying to kill everybody? 92-81? to 81? That's a lot. Well, I, thought you, I thought you said 82-81. No. That would be fun. No, please not. I think it will be a high-scoring game. I, I think this is very much one of the years. I think we're, we're probably going to split. The home team's going to win in each circumstance. Um we're going to learn a lot from this game, and we're going to grow better for the second showdown in Chapel Hill. I think we're not going to get the victory. I'm not going to say who's going to win. I just think that we might come ashore. Because I'm not going to give Duke that kind of pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know that at the end of the day, the second game always means more than the first. Because... You've got one team trying to bounce back from the loss and one team trying to 
defend their title. And it's always senior day for one of the teams. And often their ACC tournament or ACC regular season title at stake. So not saying this game doesn't matter because obviously it does. But I will say even when the first game is at the Deanie Smith Center, I'm not necessarily looking ahead to the second game already, but I'm not going to look into it too much either way based on the results of the game on Wednesday. Well, I'll say if we lose, I won't look too much into it. If we win, we're the greatest team of all time. (laughs) Nonetheless, get your stretching ready. Yeah. Because you might be going for a jog. Knock on wood. I already made my hate week playlist, so it's going to be a fun time. All right, so around the rest of college basketball, uh, Tennessee showed their true colors yesterday. I don't know about that. Well, game day was there, weren't they? Yes, game day was. It was in. Was it in Kentucky, or was it at Tennessee? I want to say it was, but I'm not quite sure. Oh wait, it was. It was at Kentucky because the kid made the shot and got mobbed by the team and said, "Let's effing go into the camera." Yes, and also um, at the end of the game, they did an overrated chant and Cal shut him up. Yeah, it was um, at Rupp. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think Tennessee's a really good team, but I do think that they have the potential to lay a huge egg like they did against Kentucky last night. I think any good teams do for a game like that. You got to, everybody's going to catch a game where just everybody's off. You mm-hmm. just have to kind of rub the just take it on the shoulder and just keep going with it but yeah. it did it did make it worse that it was a team like kentucky because i mean there's naturally a rivalry there i i didn't even know that tennessee has the best win record against kentucky again among all college basketball teams i didn't know that either um i think that out of the elite quote-unquote teams say like the top five top eight teams Tennessee is, in my mind, the least likely to make a big run in the tournament because they are really good, and I'm not denying that, but they are lacking the guys that have been there before. And every other school has players with that experience or the coach has the experience. Like I said, the blue blood really does kick in when you get Mm -hmm. to March. Mm -hmm. The past, there hasn't been a Final Four without us. Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, or I forget the last team. that It might have just been the four of us without the four of us in a very long time. And, like you said, the blue blood shows. The cream always rises to the top. All right, you want to call the audible? Switch it up. Yeah. You got the ad read or me? I can Colby's, read it, but it's Colby's your audible. I'll, I'll read it. Colby. I just didn't watch any of All-Star Weekend, so I'll contribute sparsely. Okay. Uh, this, this segment is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Never Made Varsity podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a three, free 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I have not listened to a book recently on Audible, but Colby listened to 11... 11 
Leviathan Awakes by James S.A. Corey through Audible, and you can download it or another audiobook free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nmvpod for your free audiobook. So I thought I'd make the Audible this week about All-Star Weekend in the NBA. We've reached the unofficial halfway point, but it's far from that because I believe they've already played like 50 games. Yeah, Um, it's well past the halfway point. But I think it's one of the more exciting times of the year. You have all the wonderful competitions. You have the All-Star Game itself. Um, I don't know. I feel like in recent years, just there, there. I mean, there have been some events that have like been very popular, like the dunk contest with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. Um, is probably one of the top three best dunk contests of all time. But otherwise, it just always seems like most of the events or the All-Star Weekend as a whole is just becoming more forgettable in certain times. I'd Uh, agree with that. And I'm not not exactly sure, too, because one thing I noticed last night, um, like any other sporting event, especially as long as it goes, like it was a three-hour-long presentation between the skills challenge the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. I mean, naturally, you're going to get just tired at some point. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, last night we were at the dunk contest, which is supposed to be the most popular event of the night, and the players had to keep raising their hands trying to get people loud and trying to get them into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some pretty good dunks, but also at the same time, it just seems it's lacking something. Yeah. I think that... I haven't watched the dunk contest in years, but I think probably the biggest thing that is lacking from the dunk contest now, I think is probably star power because you haven't had a star be in the dunk contest in a while. Now it's usually those hyper-athletic young guys, which is fun, but I don't really care as much to watch Hamadou Diallo dunk as I did to watch Dwight Howard dunk on a 13 foot bucket now he had a very impressive dunk where the he jumped over Shaq. over Shaq yes that was pretty cool and uh, and put his elbow in the rim yes that was pretty good that was an excellent I dunk mean, I watched did, a video of that he did put his one arm on Shaq DeVault but I mean it's hard not to but yeah. very minimal to get up there I mean mm-hmm. it has an amazing vertical but again, I, I do. I, I think that might be a thing. Like just name recognition for some of the guys was just kind of not there. Like, um, you look at the three point contest. The winner, Joe Harris, of the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. If you ask some people, they probably don't know who Joe Harris is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he beat Steph Curry in the finals, and so he's going to be able to say that for the rest of his life. Yeah, I didn't even realize he went to UVA until they said it. Yeah, he went to UVA, former Cleveland Cavalier. Um, so. I think that part of the dunk contest also not being as big is that there's not as much, I feel like there's not as much showmanship anymore. Like, we don't have Dwight Howard going into the phone booth or Blake Griffin jumping over the Kia, which is a very overhyped dunk. But all it's all about the showmanship. And the, I haven't I seen a dunk like that it. in a long time. I think it's just getting a little cheesy at times. Yeah, definitely. My all-time favorite dunk contest dunk 
Well, I have two. One is obviously the Vince Carter dunk, but the other is the one where Sebastian Telfair blows out the cupcake on the rim. Oh, no, uh, Green. Or, oh, just, yeah, Gerald Green. He was yeah. against Sebastian Telfair. That, my that was awesome, though. I still remember that dunk contest. Yes, that was one of my all-time favorites. But obviously Vince Carter's is amazing. I mean, you have to think the showdown between Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. You think of uh, Dwight Howard versus Nate Robinson. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Gordon. Um, Aaron, yeah. And Zach Levine. Yeah. So, I mean, there is definitely Sebastian some. Telfair, uh, Gerald Green. I mean, also that gets to the point, too, where it's just one of those things where you they kind of start running out of ideas. Yeah, it's hard to, to innovate more. And I also think part of it is that this isn't a league of personal rivalries anymore. Everyone's friends in the NBA now, and so it's not like there's really personal pride at stake in an event like this. Because obviously you now, have exceptions, uh, but everyone's buddies for the most part. Yeah. Now, the skills challenge was a little interesting. Uh, Trey Young and Luca actually went head to head, and that was the talk because that was the rookies going against each other. Trey ended up beating Luca, um, and then Jason Tatum ended up winning the event after hitting a half court shot over <laughs> Trey Young um, to win the contest. Like I said, Joe Harris uh, winning the three point contest, defeating Steph Curry, and then uh, you had uh, Hamadou Diallo winning the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Also. That's me. Shout out to Dirk. Dirk participated in the three-point contest and beat several people. He was middle of the pack. He yeah. tied Damian Lillard. Uh, he beat Chris Middleton. Uh, like He was very middle of the pack. He did not make the final round, but for a 41-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then when all the retirees tried shooting threes, they all oh, did God. very poorly. That was horrible. And they were they were doing... A thousand dollars for each shot to charity, and then they only ended up ended up hitting eight shots. Yeah, that was embarrassing. And I think they rounded up to thirty something thousand. I'm like, that's a big roundup. As they should. Yeah. So, um, what was with the? What do you think about them having the four point line in the? They had it in the celebrity game. I know. Did they have it in the Rising Star game? I don't. I didn't see it in the Rising Stars game. But I think um, it's one of those things where they're just very subtly introducing it because I think it's going to be a very real possibility uh, yeah. in probably the next five years. Because, I mean, you have people like Steph Curry who's hitting it probably 35 feet at times with ease. And I mean, it's just going to keep extending further and further back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I think about it because I think it's – it's inevitable. It's going to happen, I think. And I think that you need to do something to gain more viewers because the NBA viewership has been going down consistency, consistently. But I don't know if that's the answer. And I'm sure I that's what the they said before they, they introduced the three-point line. Instead of putting both arms up, they do them all, both out. They T-pose? Yes. And <laughs> tangent, because I put this on Twitter... During the three-point contest, there are literally two refs that do the three-point attempt mark and also signify when they hit it. That is the most useless thing ever. Well, it's because I don't know why they need to signify when they hit it, but they have to signify that it's a shot so that they're saying it's not that his feet's not over the line. 
But if they were actually caring, they'd actually be looking down when they're just looking out into the crowd. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're not actually looking at their feet. Yeah. I feel like NBA All-Star Weekend has gotten much less exciting over the years. I'm more excited for Baseball All-Star Weekend these days. But it's still more exciting than the Pro Bowl. So they've got yeah. that. The Pro whatever Bowl it, whatever the most, that was this year. The Pro it Bowl was a glorified dodgeball tournament. It's the most useful, useless thing in sports. No player cares about it. The only good thing that I saw was that one of the mascots got tackled. Yeah, um, yes, and he actually got hospitalized, didn't he? <laughs> it was the Patriots mascot, and I forgot who tackled him, but he's like, I did this for everyone in the NFL, and the kid actually had to get hospitalized for it. That's funny. Was it I in Hawaii they did thing or like was it in Florida it, again? Yeah. I don't even know. Instead of Hawaii? Was it in Hawaii or was it in Florida? It, this year it was in Florida, but no, like historically it's been in Hawaii. Yeah, but they've been shifting it around the past couple of years. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that they can get rid of the Pro Bowl, but they need to do something to make it not suck. What if they did, like, do you think of any kind of events that they could end up doing to, like, fix it? I honestly don't know. reinvigorate things? Like, I was wondering if they do something like a three-on-three tournament between all the All-Stars. Like, the All-Stars divide up into teams of three. Or yeah, that could have, be... Or what about a triple threat basketball game where essentially it's three teams each guarding each other, kind of like how you would work a 21 game. And because I think you do that drill in 2K where if you score on one side, then you go off and you it's somewhat make it take it. Um, and if you miss a shot on the other side and they get the rebound, then you're off. And you mm-hmm. just rotate. That could be. Because then you could get some high octane action. Yeah. Well, I like the way that the NHL has done it now is they do, like, three-on-three hockey, I think, or four-on-four within their divisions. So it's it's similar to what the NBA does now where they draft teams, but each division has a captain, and they draft teams, and the games have, like, 15 goals, but it's still it's fun because it's it's high scoring and it's a different form. And I could also I also feel like it's very controversial and isn't a thing anymore that the baseball All Star game used to be for home field advantage in the World Series, but something like that does garner interest. It makes it creates stakes. Yes, exactly. Because the biggest issue right now is that the game doesn't matter, and so no one cares about it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. All right, you want to move on to content? Yeah, let's move on. Okay, so uh, there's no, there was no Riverdale this week. For who knows what reason. Another hiatus. Why? Was there an award show last on Thursday? No, award shows aren't on Thursdays, are they? They're on Sundays. Yeah. I don't know. Why is Riverdale on hiatus? Let's see what the Google so machine stupid. says. Uh oh, well it was the was it the mid-season? I don't even know. But I thought we already had a mid-season. Yeah. The mid-season finale was in January. 
the musical episode's probably the next one, but I don't know why they have a hiatus going into it. Yeah, the mid-season hiatus was when Jughead and FP were locked out of Riverdale. Yeah, for a quote-unquote quarantine that just kind of disappeared and stopped yeah. being a thing. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on right now, and apparently Alice Jones is a bad guy now, and JB's also yeah. a bad guy, so we'll see what happens. That show is so dumb, but I cannot stop watching it. Um, what's Bigfoot? Oh, I watched the Bigfoot documentary. Since we're getting weird, do you believe in Bigfoot? Um, I don't know. I've never really thought of Bigfoot. Like, I mean, I'm sure that there's something like Bigfoot that could exist from a biological perspective, but from a legend perspective, not particularly. I just like watching all the paranormal stuff, like things about cryptids, if, or if, if you're aware of the term, like anything from like the Mothman mm-hmm. uh, to the Jersey Devil to Bigfoot, to aliens. Uh, Sasquatch. Kinda, it's just fun stuff. Just good, clean fun. Yeah. I think there was once a creature that highly resembles Bigfoot that once lived. Yeah. I mean, you, you got things like Gigantopithecus as concrete proof of it. And in the places that they're claiming they are roam, it's often uninhibited land. Now, I mean, you think of somewhere like the United States, and often, like, some of the rationale is if it really was prevalent, if it really does exist, there would be more evidence of it. But it could mm-hmm. be a very scarce kind. Yeah, that's true. Do you think the beef coon exists? Could very well. Who knows? Do you remember the beef coon from no. iCarly? There was one episode like of half iCarly. Beaver, half raccoon? Yes. All I remember is the part with the ostrich. Yeah. What you got there? A smoothie? <laughs> I miss that show. Good show. Yeah. Um, I didn't really consume much content this week because there was no Riverdale. I watched more Love After Lockup, which is still an amazing show, and I still highly recommend you watch it. Um, I, I, I watched more of my reality show, Temptation Island. Yeah. It's, it's getting... Getting Tempting. dicey. People are starting to get well acquainted with one another. <laughs> we had our first real cheat moment happen. Oh boy. Um like I said, each night they show it on cameras like basically the most mischievous thing the their partner did that day. And the guys it was the guy that cheated on his girlfriend with one of the girls in his house and his girlfriend just lost it. Mm-hmm. Who would volunteer to go on the show? Like I said, I don't know because it, it's kind of weird. Like even seeing all the stuff on, on social media because all of them have like active social media pages and stuff. And it's weird how like not affected they seem by it after the fact. Like when they kind of live tweet it almost, and then when stuff bad happens to them, they kind of just laugh it off. Yeah, almost as if it's like reality TV and it's not really that true. I'm saying, I wonder how that kind of a a social experiment would work if cameras were off. 
Yeah. Like if you didn't have the the, the idea that you're being recorded on it. Yeah. Would that change things? I don't know. I mean, like I know on a show like Big Brother, they have like camera shock for like a day, and then they start acting normal because they do a good job of. Like, you don't have any outside interaction, and obviously there are cameras on the walls and stuff, but there are cameramen behind two-way mirrors, so you can't see when you're being directly recorded. And it's the sort of thing, like, they do this stuff despite knowing very well that they're on camera. Yeah. Well, and on a show like Big Brother, being on camera is your life for, like, if you're on the whole time for 90 to 100 days. So it's just like you get used to it and you start living like that. Mm-hmm. When I when I get out of Big Brother, I'll tell you about the experience. <laughs> I'm going to win the half a million, be a Big Brother legend. Summer 2020, it's going to happen. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. I've told many people that I'm going to audition and I'm going to get on. So when I get on, I hope there are watch parties for me. Um, oh, one more content thing. I got 2K on the Switch this week because it was on sale for $20. And I started playing it. $20? Yeah. Exactly. Like, I haven't played it. I played it when I was home for winter break for a little bit. But for that kind of deal, I couldn't refuse it and the biggest hurdle for me uh well i have two big hurdles number one there are only like 10 user created draft classes online so i have a very limited scope of options and i'm not going to make my own because that is way too much work um but i learned to deal with that and the controls for the game are kind of weird because I don't know if you've ever played with Nintendo stuff with the Wii or the Wii U or the Switch, but the A button is on the right and the B button is on the bottom. Like, the A, B, and the X, Y are flipped. Ooh. So it, it takes some getting used to, and the controls are kind of different. Like, I don't know in 2K this year if it is Bounce Pass on most consoles, but it is on the Switch. And it's just like there's some button switching things that I'm getting used to. That are confusing. Uh, uh, yeah, that definitely because it's like me. I don't. I don't know. I haven't played 2K this year enough on a regular console on PS4 or, or Xbox to know if the controls are different everywhere or if it's kind of weird on the Switch. But it's been taking some getting used to because I got used to the Switch's button setup, and this is kind of going back to the normal one. So that's an adjustment that I'm adjusting to. But for $20, it was a fantastic purchase. So, yeah. I think that's all we got. Yep. You want to do the thing? Yeah, I'll do it. Let's see if I can get it all in one go. Alright, so, find us, you can find us at tinyurl.com slash nevermadevarsity. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. I don't know the last time we got a rating, but I also haven't checked in a hot minute. But we like when we get a five-star rating, even if it says one star in the body of the rating. So, please do that. Uh, if there's anything you liked or didn't like, please be sure to let us know via our Twitter, at nevermadepod, or just interact with us on Twitter, because we like interacting with y'all. 
Uh, and thank you to Audible for sponsoring the show. For your 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. And we will see you next week. Bye.